0: On today's Stuncast, we review Space Seed. The Enterprise finds an ancient spaceship with the genetically enhanced Superman, Khan Noonien Singh, in suspended animation. After the crew wakes up the villainous Khan from his 200-year-old slumber, historian Lieutenant Marla MacGyvers helps him and his crew take over the Enterprise. Will Kirk regain control of his ship? Will MacGyver's break free of Khan's sexual mind games? Will Kirk's decision to maroon a 20th century despot on an uninhabited planet come back to bite him? Find out on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint The Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron. Kabla! And uh, joined by Captain Corey.
1: Um, Here, Clint. One, two, three. These are my three pins that I earned- going to starfleet and i'm gonna unfortunately say that today i'm going to be residing my commission from starfleet it's a tough decision Uh-oh, for me to make that's... but i think it's the right decision
0: uh, well you, do you have your own ship
1: no no i no. you're just gonna go no I'm, I'm uh i'm signing up with the romulans they uh they said they'd take me so <laughs> they're gonna start me out off at, oh actually no they sent me a little bit of a package here hold on let me just get it open here okay so i have a bowl cut wig. Okay, I'm going to put that on. And then there's this gigantic (laughs) power suit with like gigantic shoulders. Okay, I'm just going to zip that up. Very
2: slimming in the waist.
1: (laughs) Okay. And then some face powder. And we are good. Okay, so here I am at the table with you, a Romulan. Um, Well, not really, but maybe I can work my way up the rank. Uh, I'm starting off as a centurion. And then they told me if I wanted to make Admiral, that's five ranks away. So maybe in five weeks, uh, I can be Admiral and do it my own way. And you have no power over me anymore.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't really have any power. Yeah. So anyway, so long. But... Uh, take care. And um, let's just get the show on the road. Oh. Okay. Well, now introducing uh, Centurion Quarry. Rolls right off the tongue. Hi,
1: everybody. Glad yeah. to be here. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of power mad dictators, this week we are reviewing um, Space Seed. The
2: power mad dictator agree. is Clint. By the way, yeah,
0: he's yeah. like, are you dissing he, yourself? He, I don't he, know what's I don't know what we're talking about. What you guys are talking about? I'm very benevolent and kind. I give you guys thirty minutes of uh, outdoor time a day. Um, that's that's more than other podcast hosts you have stopped beating
2: us before our breakfast of gruel so that's been nice
0: yeah well you guys have been a little bit better so so yeah i mean it's just now um a light spanking (laughs) that you guys get before not me
1: because i'm not i'm not under your control anymore i uh answer
0: to the praetor
2: (laughs) and he just gives you light bottom caresses instead of spankings
0: (laughs) It's, it's like when a coach is like, come on, get out there, and he gives you a nice slap on the butt. That's what that's what Corey really needs to succeed in in any work environment, is mm-hmm. encouraging butt slaps.
1: Well, if it was the 1960s, we could do a lot more than that. <laughs> As this
2: episode demonstrates. There's some crazy oh, shit in this
1: episode in terms of the dynamic between men and women and uh, getting what you want from people.
0: Uh, Speaking of of butt slats. Let's talk about today's episode.
2: Oh boy.
0: Um. So yeah, we reviewed Space Seed today. Um, what, what? A, I mean, this is another classic Star Trek episode. Um. So yeah, let's do our our thumbs up or down. Emily, what do you think of it? Thumb thumb up or down? Um,
2: you know, I wanted to give it a thumbs up because. We've got a pretty good villain here,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but oh boy, were the Starfleet crew making me so viscerally uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I totally get why it's a classic, but I cannot promote anyone watching this. It was, yeah, it was, uh, has a lot going on.
0: It was definitely a very problematic episode, I guess.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if if you ever meet someone who's like, "What is toxic masculinity?" I don't even get that. Just watch this episode.
1: Yeah, reference spacey. Oh
2: boy. I mean, it's
1: called spacey. Even, you know... They might as well called it spacecom for, for how like just space. testosterone rattled this fucking episode
0: oh, is. Oh yeah, space jizz. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if the name Space Seed makes you go, ew, gross, that is, that feeling will intensify while watching this. Uh, um, so,
0: I, I'm i sensing a thumbs down from you, Emily.
2: Like, I, I, oh boy, I don't know. I, I've, I've got just, like, I want to say thumbs up because it, fi- it does a lot of the things we want. It has a good villain. There's no real downtime. But oh uh, yeah, the, the enterpri- or, yeah, the enterprise crew made me feel really gross. So
0: So let's say, okay, so like a 90% or 90 degrees is like straight up, right? And zero degrees, we'll just say that is straight sideways. Where, where are you on that spectrum? I
2: feel uh, I feel like I, I'm gonna say it's a straight down
0: okay so with, negative 90 with degrees
2: the caveat that if i was seeing this the day it came out i probably would give it a higher rating
0: okay so uh ignoring 80 years of cultural progress
2: yep thumbs that, up yeah also, uh the what about just climbed on my lap and is purring so y'all might hear that <laughs> uh
0: okay what about you Corey? thumbs up or down in this episode
1: um, thumbs up. Like I would recommend it to anybody. Uh, you know, you have to kind of divorce yourself from the fact that Khan is in this, and this will be a very famous, seminal Star Trek episode in terms of like creating the greatest Star Trek villain and um, being the and being the prequel to the Wrath of Khan, which is the most famous of the Star Trek movies. So divorcing yourself mm-hmm. from that, and just like looking at it as an episode and. It, by itself, cool dialogue, cool lines, good action scenes. uh The only, I mean, the only problem I really have with it is that the entire conceit of the episode revolves around one Star Trek, one Starfleet officer just being a fucking idiot and just doing things <laughs> that like Starfleet officers would never normally do, just because the plot needed her to do it. And that kind of just that, being, yeah, that left that left, left kind of like a bad taste like in like my mouth. just like such
0: a a lady simp and just so thirsty that she's like i'll do anything
1: yeah Um, it just it didn't make sense and i knew that they wanted to tell a story and get kirk's ship in trouble i just wish that there were other ways that they would have done it because it just it just didn't make sense but i mean it was fine it was a good episode thumbs up
0: yeah it was good yeah there were definitely some some contrivances in there i'd probably give it a thumbs up yeah ignoring all the weird problematic uh like sexual diplomacy i guess i don't know but anyway
2: the attitudes that are espoused as being totally fine and normal that are in fact crazy damaging that if you can ignore that, then yeah, it's a good episode.
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> you
2: got you can't you can't do this, cat. She's super into this. Are you con? Have you has Khan transmuted into a cat? <laughs>
0: It's pre, well, I guess it's post Khan since Khan was in in the nineties.
2: Yeah, it's she's this, a she's a Khan supporter. Ru. This
0: cat is temporarily housing the consciousness of Khan while he drifts in space.
2: <laughs> uh, that makes all of her moments of vengeance that much more understandable, but then her uh, deep love of wet cat food very inexplicable.
0: What as we learned from this episode, Khan loves wet cat food. There's that scene <laughs> where uh McGyver's walks in on him and he's just eating from a tune of or a, a tin of, of wet cat food he's Oh I on. forgot. Yeah, it's about like that. from yeah. District I do, Nine. I, <laughs> I love Z wet cat food. <laughs> it's more French, but
2: <laughs> that you know what? Uh that is actually more accurate because they say that he's a Sikh. Yeah, and this guy is definitely from Spain, is my guess. Like, yeah, but he's definitely not from the Indian subcontinent at all.
0: Yeah, Ricardo uh, Montalban. All right, so yeah, let's uh, launch into this uh, episode review. the The episode starts off right with the Enterprise like dramatically closing in on this vessel. They're like, "Where is this thing?" And they say it's from the nineties.
2: Oh, they said, no. uh, back the, the, in the 1990s, which is how game. my students talk.
0: <laughs> back in, back in, in the ancient era of the 1990s. In the late
2: um, 1900s, I'm like, shut the fuck up, you piece of young trash.
0: The Enterprise crew dramatically creeps up on a, a vessel in space. It appears to be like a derelict ship. It seems like it was launched in the mid-90s, and they find the registry is the SS Bodney Bay. Um,
2: Which is already should tell you that this is a bad idea, because it's a super famous Australian penal colony.
0: It's the It was the best penal colony.
2: I didn't say it wasn't a good one. I just said it was a super famous Australian one. <laughs>
0: So, Spock, right, he he reveals that the last world war was in the 90s, which was a big reveal. I liked the music, and then I was like, oh, yeah, there wasn't a world war in the 90s. It, like, that was supposed to be like, a, <laughs> you know, like, that was supposed to be like a big reveal that they're like, oh, we're in the 60s now, and then the 90s, there's another world war, and he's supposed to be like, oh, no, not another one.
2: I liked that, but I was kind of. And then they're like, the World War is the eugenics war. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did it World War II kind of have that happen a little bit? Like, I don't know. It it's kind of like if, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's like if they said there's going to be a big world war in 2050 and it's all about terrorism. Okay, never mind. I take it back. That's great.
0: <laughs> it's the real eugenics war. The other one yeah. is just a warm up.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so, yeah, Kirk and Spock. No, not Spock. Kirk and Bones are going to go on it. And then they bring uh, with themselves a historian mm. that she can finally do something for once. That lazy historian. Um, Instead her name,
2: of doing true historian work, which is apparently painting portraits in her room. <laughs> what?
0: All right. So uh, onto the ship, they bring Lieutenant Marla uh, MacGyvers, who's a historian. Um, She'd much rather be painting on the ship. So that Spock, Kirk, uh, MacGyver's, and also uh, Scotty go on onto the ship. They're like, "Oh man, this is really old." Uh, Scotty would love to tear it apart. They basically turn on the lights and then they activate a pod. And we'll just refer to this guy as Khan. We don't we don't learn his name till later, but we'll just do that for simplicity. Um, so they wake up Khan. MacGyver's is like instantly like swing, like, Ooh, what a, what a specimen of humanity, um, says he's a Sikh. Um, and then he kind of wakes up his stasis pod is malfunctioning. So, um, Kirk smashes open the glass and they, they bring him out and not much really happens this scene, but basically, They bring him to the Enterprise.
1: But there are like uh, 80 other pods on this ship too. It's not just Khan in there. But he woke up first because they think he was the captain and the ship's rigged to when you turn on the power, the captain wakes up first.
0: Yeah. To to bring him on. Yeah. And and thanks. There's like 72 other people that survived. I don't know how many people started. It seemed like there were like 80 ish or so. So that's a pretty good survival rate. They think he's been under for two centuries, right? Since the 90s. So McCoy goes to work saving his life, just basically waving props above his chest. And then Spock and Kirk kind of do a little navel gazing about like, oh, who who is this guy? And they just kind of talk about him for a little bit. Kirk goes to the, the med bay and looks at him and leaves. And then Khan wakes up. He steals a knife from the wall, like a scalpel, which seems like super safe. You know, <laughs> it's great to have knives up on the wall. So anyway, Khan gets the drop on McCoy. Like he, he gets him by the throat and like holds the knife to his throat. And it starts trying to interrogate him. Bones just gives him nothing but (laughs) but sass. Bones is
2: just like, do it. I have nothing to live for. (laughs) There's nothing ahead of me but grayness.
0: Yeah, he's, like, telling him how to kill him. And he's like, strangle me or cut my throat. Like, make up your decision. So this is, like, the best Bokoi moment, I I think, ever so far. Finally, like, Khan lets him go. And Khan's asking questions about, like, where is he? When is he? That sort of thing. Kirk comes and answers some of his questions and gives them access to their technical manuals, which I'm sure won't turn out to be a bad decision.
2: No, because Kirk is perfect.
0: Yeah. Kirk did that with Captain Christopher as
1: well. He's just like, hey, welcome to my ship, person from the past. Uh, you can just walk around and do whatever you want. Go for it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just do whatever you want. So, yeah, while Khan's, like, studying their manuals, Spock and Kirk talk about them more, talk about these, like, supermen who've seized power in, like, 40 countries, right, on the world. Back in the 90s. And then they kind of, like, back in the 90s, they basically became, like, warlords and then started, like, World War Three. Spock kind of quotes this. He says, you know, what these scientists didn't know is that superior ability... Breed superior ambition. It's kind of like the quote that that defines uh, these people throughout Star Trek. Um, and I just want to ask you guys, too, do you think later on it's kind of talked about that they're genetically engineered and genetically enhanced? But I get the feeling that it's more of just, like, a breeding program that turned these people into, like, superhumans. What What were the, like, impressions that you two got?
2: I kind of thought it was so they say that the world war in the nineties is like the eugenics war. And I kind of got the feeling that it was like, Hey, we're going to do this pilot program to like enhance the genetics of these people. And then it kind of went off the rails and somehow became this like cult of only breeding superior people with superior people quotes, air quotes around superior and those people sort of subjugating non genetically engineered people. So like, it felt like maybe a little bit of both.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, like genetic engineering, it was like a big part of it. Because I get that in later Star Treks so when they talk about the 90s war. It was about genetic engineering and trying to in- genetically enhance people. But I just felt like it was more about, I don't know, and I don't like eugenics. To me, eugenics is more about breeding people like in in a less technological fashion versus yeah. like engineering them Corey. what did you what impression did you get
1: well there was the whole one big aspect of the of the crew that was on the botany bay that was being woken up and con himself as well was that it was a very multi-ethnic group and i don't
0: Mm -hmm. i don't really understand the real threat
1: (laughs) yeah right like i i don't really understand like what direction that that was supposed to say like if they were taking i hesitate like the if they were taking the best parts of every ethnicity, like in terms of height, muscle density, I mean, I don't want to get in, like, I, I, I hope they weren't saying any, like, stuff related to, like, brains or anything like that. But if they were trying uh-huh. to take the best part of every ethnicity on Earth and, like, blend them all together to make, like, the, the best version of humanity and then breed those, I think that's what they were going for. I, I really don't oh, uh-huh. know. I don't think they were doing anything with test tubes or anything like that. But I mean they do say that Khan has like four times the strength of a normal human so maybe
0: Yeah and he has like 50% like his lungs are 50% more efficient so I couldn't see like how you could get those improvements by just like breeding programs alone
2: I mean eugenics theories like as I understand them historically I don't know what nut jobs currently are doing but like believe that like certain races had just inherent betterness oh i am a british person and i believe that like there's something in the fabric of a british body that makes it better than other bodies like mm-hmm. more resistant to disease or smarter and that that is proven by our ambition and why we should be able to get whatever we want and mm-hmm. it's reflected in i don't know the way our society or culture is
0: or that we're a dominant f- superpower, right? Right. The British are a dominant superpower because, because they're, they're genetically, superior humans. yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So like, w- whatever the technology, quote unquote, that it takes you to get there matters. I think less to a eugenics world viewpoint than to this, just this belief of like, these are the superior humans and these are the inferior ones. I almost see like, what if this group of 10 people decided to like I don't know take an equivalent of steroids and then they're like look we're four times stronger therefore we're better and all of you are inferior humans and now we're going to create our own little society like the technology quote-unquote whether it's actual gene enhancement or just building a body through breeding or just believing that the body is better I think is like the technology is irrelevant it's the belief
0: mm, okay that you can basically create like a better a better person
2: right and so. you can know who the superior again in air quotes people are and that therefore like they get different rules than the quote unquote inferior people
0: mm. so yeah after kind of talking about con a lot i always i always want to say her name's like mcgivers just because of the way it's spelled but mcgivers
2: Uh, It makes me laugh. It made me think of uh, MacGyver, like the guy that builds like bombs out of gum and trash. Yeah.
1: (laughs)
0: MacGruber.
1: I love that movie. Oh my God. Just, just, just a quick aside. That's the best (laughs) comedy movie ever made. MacGruber. If you haven't seen
0: it, please watch it.
2: Isn't it? Is it Will Forte? Yeah. Oh my God.
0: It's so Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, the sketches are so hilarious. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, so MacGyver talks to Khan, and he plays with her hair, and it's just enchanting, and she can't say no to him. And then I think they kiss, right? Uh, He's like, oh, when you're obsessed with powerful men, they tend to take what they want. And then he kisses her.
2: Oh, God, it's super, everything about it is so gross, (laughs) so unpleasant.
0: I was always like, he's like playing with her hair. and He's like, oh, that's much better. It's like you put out, you took out two hairpins and you just made it messier. Like she doesn't look prettier. So then they're going to have like a nice state dinner for him. They bring out their best food (laughs) spheres. Food spheres.
2: (laughs) It looks like dinners of Starburst, celery (laughs) with raw beef. And then they're drinking this blue liquid, which is exactly (laughs) like the blood that they use in like, menstrual pad commercials you know like pour (laughs) like the blue like that's what they're drinking
0: (laughs) but before they go uh oh no that this is when uh macgyvers goes to his quarters she's done his done her hair for him and he's like oh "Oh, you're mine now and they kiss um and then they go to the dinner and spock is just once again like giving it to him rhetorically right box just like talking shit about these these supermen or you know these these tyrants basically they trick him into revealing that he's a genetic hitler and then he pretends to have a headache <laughs> and leaves any nuances in that discussion that i glossed over
2: don't know but i love the name uh the phrase genetic hitler like yeah. it's accurate but there's something that's really funny about it
0: also he's like oh i have a headache i i must retire <laughs> <laughs> So then he plays some more mind games with MacGyver and it's oh God, he just becomes like an abusive boyfriend and she just like folds like a cheap suit. It's just so upsetting that the mind games, you know, where where he's talking about taking over the ship and she's like, Oh, I I wanna stay. And he's like uh for a few minutes, he's like, I'm tired of these games. Now you must ask permission to stay.
2: If you ever encounter someone who doesn't understand toxic masculinity, show them this episode because she's he's like, all right, let's bone now. And she's like, I don't want to bone. He's like, then get the fuck out. And she's like, whoa, that was rude. I want to stay. And he's like, now you have to beg me to bone you. And she's like, okay, I beg you. Like, it is super – he becomes immediately a cult leader. And she's just like, yep, I'm down with this.
0: Yeah, It's just very uh, – yeah, it's just like – the fastest, the fastest anyone's like fallen into like an abusive relationship. It was just like at warp speed. Uh.
2: It's all, also though like when they're having dinner. I know we're kind of I'm jumping the gun here, but like everyone on the Enterprise is just like, "Wow, if only it was the good old days back in Khan's time where men could just do what they want." Ha ha ha! Like he's an abusive asshole. Boy, it's great. <laughs>
0: Well, they they talk uh, I think this is like the next thing that you're talking about yeah where they yeah. they discover that he's Khan Nunyan Singh he ruled a quarter of the planet they said he's the last of the tyrants to fall he was the best and most dangerous of them and then yeah like Kirk McCoy and Scotty are just like fangirling over this guy and they're like oh he was he was such a man's man and Oh, yeah, he and, really took over that planet, and they're like, and no massacres until, you know, right? I don't. He didn't attack anyone until he was attacked, and that sort of thing. So it was and weird.
2: Spock is the only one who's like, "Why do you guys think this is great?" And they're just like, "Cause he's so much more aggressive than we're allowed to be now." And I'm like, Spock and I are both like, "This is gross."
0: Yeah. So basically, he with they kind of lock him. They say they're going to lock him in his room. He just like hulks out and like rips open the door of his room and forces it open. It's funny. And then the brainwashed MacGyvers helps him transport onto his ship. He wakes up his crew. They do their stretching exercises, right? And they're getting ready for, for to have an away game. And they're all they're all loosened up. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, we're with Kirk on the bridge. They they find out all their systems are being jammed. They can't get out, they can't control anything. Khan is taken over engineering, and then he cuts he cuts off the air to the bridge, and then they all pass out. But he doesn't let them all he doesn't kill them all. They all wake up in in the meeting room in a meeting room with Kirk or without Kirk. He's not there, and he's Khan's trying to convince everyone of uh, the Enterprise crew. Uhura, Spock is there, Bones is there, Scotty's there, and then just some other you know extras and stuff. He's trying to convince them to. Join his side. He's like, well, if I kill you guys all, all the whole bridge crew, it's going to create some camaraderie, heroic camaraderie. So I just want you guys to, you know, join me so we can, I don't know, take over the Federation or take over a planet. That's what he wants. He's like, just take me to a planet who's willing to be ruled by me. And they're like, oh, well, we have several. And they're like, are just waiting sure. for a dictator. Yeah.
2: yeah, they're like, this is OK.
0: So um, he threatens to um, decompress Kirk to death unless someone joins his his side. Guyvers, like, leaves the room. She's like, I can't watch this. And then all of a sudden, the feed goes dead to to Kirk. And, you know, Khan's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. He's probably dead anyway. So we don't have to go and check up on him, which I'm sure is a decision that won't come back to bite him later. <laughs> we, we go to the med bay where Kirk is being... Compressed to death, and MacGyver's shows up. She tricks the guard, and you know, hits him with a sedative, injects him with it. She she brings Kirk out of the out of the chamber. Before that, Khan ordered Spock to be the next person to be decompressed to death. So Kirk ambushes the Superman holding holding Spock, and they they take him out, and then uh, they basically like flood the whole the whole ship with anesthetic gas con con gets out in time and he heads to engineering and stops the the gas from being spread in engineering then we have a another fight we have a fight scene between kirk and and con in engineering con you know takes kirk's phaser and just like bends it in half to show how strong he is
2: perhaps i have to say this but this is perhaps one of my favorite kirk moments is when khan gets his phaser he does this look that is the ultimate damsel in distress look like his back is against the wall and he kind of like looks down and then looks up (laughs) it's so it it really is just very like why would you do it (laughs) my phaser no it came from my ship
0: (laughs) There's a fight, and I think Kirk beats him pretty easily. He kind of like tricks him where he like pulls like a lever off that I think is probably like as heavy as a crowbar or something like that, and basically just like beats him down and stops. Oh, yeah. And then Khan is like, Well, first he's like, I'm going to make your ship explode. And Kirk's like, Not if I can help it. And they fight. Not my ship. (laughs) There's a cool scene where like Kirk was like hanging from the wall and he's doing like a scissor grip with his legs. On on Kong's like head, and then he like twists around and like throws him or something like that. But yeah, he beats him pretty easily for him being like a Superman five times his strength or whatever.
2: It was a little homoerotic for sure.
0: Oh yeah, well, what isn't in in Star Trek? Um, so it's a very manly fight, and then um they convene a kangaroo court for Khan with Kirk as the head. I feel like this is not very unbiased court, but um. Kirk drops all the charges on Khan and is just like, okay, well, we'll just leave you on a planet. Just like this Australian penal colony. And, you know, have fun down there. I'm sure this decision won't bite me in the ass at some point in the future. And then they give MacGyver's the choice between a court martial and going with, with Khan. She decides to go with Khan and then Khan references Milton which Scotty doesn't know what they're talking about and Kirk says that Khan is implying that it's better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven so he'd rather go down and I don't know be a mountain man with his friends so
2: I have some serious problems with that
0: (laughs) uh anything with that outline that you guys want to add
2: no but can I just get my Milton complaint out of the way really fast sure First of all, Milton is English, not Scottish. And so there's no reason why a Scot should know him. They have many Scottish poets, so I don't know why they made Scotty be the dumb one. And second, yes, Satan says that in that play, but he is, like, super devastated. Like, he can't believe how punished he is. He's in, like, agony and he says this, like, to the demon kind, like, trying to pump himself up. And, like, okay, I guess this is what we're going to do. We have no choice. Like, he is not actually this cool, swaggering dude. He's very, like, vulnerable and scared. And so I thought that was a real perversion of Milton.
0: <laughs> Damn you, Kirk!
2: Con, con!
0: I'll <laughs> dare you misquote Milton.
2: How dare you yeah
0: the klingon empire will not stand for this
2: klingons believe in fidelity to the poetic version
1: (laughs) what the episode is trying to get at with these people is that if you're gonna mess with human chemistry or the human you're gonna get your designer babies and you're going to give them super strength and super intelligence, then you got to be prepared for the fact that there is, as Kirk says in this episode, a streak of barbarism in us, and we are going to do our natural inclination, which is to rule. Um, society exists as a form of laws and, um, and structures to stop human beings from doing what they naturally want to do. And so if you have a class of humans that are hyper-ambitious, hyper-intelligent, strategic, people like Napoleon, Alexander the Great, um Cyrus the Great if you just have a class of those people they are just naturally going to take over entire society like uh you know wolves over sheep so mm. the eugenics war was about getting these people out of power and then like Napoleon and so like Napoleon exiling them into space so they didn't kill them they just sent them into space uh, one other thing i was looking at was that they they ran into some timeline issues when they started TNG because they wanted to talk about, they wanted to frame the Star Trek history like there had been a huge war in the past, like a World War III that basically devastated the planet.
0: And they say, I think it takes like, it takes the world like a hundred years to recover from World War III is what I, yeah.
1: Yeah. So like the whole thing with like Zephyr and and... You know, Mm. first contact. That is the result of World War III. They had to kind of rewrite the eugenics war as just an event that happened in the 90s. It was not, that's not the World War III event. So, like, there were two major world shaking events in the 90s and then in the early 21st century.
0: Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, that is. To talking about the timeline, they said this rocket or this ship was launched in the mid 90s, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Khan had to be. I mean, he almost had to be born, like, in the 60s or, like, around the time that this show was airing, right, for him to be old enough to be, like, a dictator in the mid-90s.
2: I mean, yeah, I guess maybe in, like, I would think dictator game would be a a young person's game. You know, you've got to kind of get in on the dictator internship in your early 20s.
0: (laughs) I wonder what kind of things were going on
1: in the 1960s to make people worry about this being a potential future. Like, you know, yeah, have, we haven't started any cloning programs yet. I don't think genetically modified food was a big thing in the 60s. So I just wonder, like, what the the seed was for, for this fear that, you know, 30 years from now, it, it, maybe we could start to see superhumans. Because World War II had well, just I ended, mean, and that kind of settled that debate a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think it kind of took that part out, though, of, like, what talking about eugenics or whatever – Took that out of World War II and then kind of focused in on that more.
2: I think there was, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit with like the more mind control episodes, but I think in the 60s there was this idea of we've gone as far as humanity can. Can we transcend consciousness? And this idea of like, could you develop psychic powers, telekinetic powers, you know, MK Ultra stuff? Like, could you? expand the human mind further than it has before and what would that do to humanity and and sort of like this the 60s is also where you get like a lot of belief in the paranormal and the supernatural and extraterrestrials and like cults are really taking off because of this idea of like taking humanity to a new plane on a mass scale
0: mm-hmm
2: so maybe that is where they kind of couple that with, like, the hangover of World War II and say, what if these two things both stay as part of the way that we think of our culture?
0: This is almost on the, the other scale, though, of, like, expanding the mind, right? Because that's kind yeah, of very... Yeah, the body. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, improving the body with science, too. It's like a science run amok as well
2: i think one of the things that bothered me i mean there are several things that bothered me about this episode clearly but one is and i i'm taking a lot of this from this book called uh, lies my teacher told me um, by james lowen and it's about the way that history is taught in the u.s spoiler alert terribly um <laughs> but he says one of the problems is that a lot of k-12 history is taught as like great men mm-hmm. like America is a country because of George Washington. Mm -hmm. And, like, in reality, a lot of these, like, great men are not really that much different from any of their people in their time. And there are, like, lots and lots of other people around them. And, like, they don't really have special abilities. And, like, even Napoleon is, like, in some ways, he was just a really stupid guy who just kept doing stuff. Imagine you're, like, Uber driver who talks about his mixtape. And you're just like, oh, man. But, like, he's so relentless and does it so many times that somehow it works. Like, that doesn't make him, like, a genius musician or genius promoter. So this episode kind of falls into this trap of being, like some men are just superior as opposed to like their accidents of birth and being in the right place at the right time. And Mm -hmm. luck. it's a very uh, flat way of looking at history and like the role of individualism.
0: Yeah. And I think definitely like the sixties falls into that idea, right? That history is made by great men. It's not movements of people or anything, but it's great men have, moved history forward and this really emphasizes that, right? They talk about Alexander the Great and they talk about Napoleon and they talk about them in very positive terms about people almost as if they are supermen in some sort. And we're talking about this a little bit earlier, but is there that idea in the 60s that Alexander and Napoleon were greater men, that they were like on a higher plane of existence than regular people
2: i mean i don't know i mean that's an interesting question
0: Um, nowadays we don't think that about alexander the great or like we don't think of them as greater people you know or like better than an average person but i could see that maybe like in the 60s there's that idea that they're like you know uber yeah
2: i mean i i don't know if it's more recent or if it's just come to my I've only recognized it more recently but I feel like there's this discourse around like if you talk about like like people like Thomas Edison invented so many things but the number of people who patented the light bulb like right around the same time Edison did is like there are like hundreds of people Mm -hmm. like because like science is like or any field but let's say science is like you know everyone reads what's come before and then they're at the frontier of knowledge and so if you're doing a good job and there's you know thousands or millions of amazing scientists alive at any given point you're all operating on the same frontier so some groundbreaking idea is going to be close like the same groundbreaking idea is going to be close to lots of different people and this happens with tons of things throughout history but whoever gets there and gets to say first is the one that gets remembered as a genius Mm -hmm. but they're really often not and so I I don't again I don't know if if there's a more recent narrative to push back on that or if this is just something that I'm seeing more of because I'm old and I'm reading things and I'm not an elementary school student anymore but yeah I I don't know this like great men of history is kind of a very uh, bothersome narrative Mm mm-hmm Like even Hamilton, that musical, like talks a lot about like, like there's that song about like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have Washington on your side? And they like, they talk about how many people facilitated his greatness and like how, you know, like his life was not a straight line. So like even someone who has a whole musical about him, this whole musical is about like how he really wasn't that different from other people, but he was lucky and he was just had Tons of ideas, and he had a working partner in George Washington who could sort of direct which ideas to follow through with, and, like, he is both remarkable and ordinary at the same time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's an idea that nowadays is starting to be more recognized, right? Yeah, Yeah. is, is that history isn't made by individuals. It's been made by movements, and so looking back on this episode... That idea that Khan's a great man or whatever is a little bit more bothersome, I guess.
2: Yeah, maybe.
0: And seems seems more outdated, yeah, looking, looking from it from today.
2: Yeah. I also think one of the things, if we're talking about these weird damaging ideas, like the, the part where they're all sitting around talking about how they found out Khan is who he is... And Kurt calls him, he's like, men back then were more adventuresome, bolder, more confident. And this idea that, like, greatness comes with brutality and that that's just something we should be okay with is really, really fucked up. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) i don't like it's it's like an apologist it's like an Mm -hmm. apologetic for violence and for uh being like a dick to other people and Mm -hmm. i still see this argument and i still see people having this attitude and i'm like that's not true like humans humans are not inherently any more aggressive than they are cooperative we've just allowed this idea that if you're great you're gonna be a really rude violent dickhole and i'm just like no it's no and i think we've we've seen this theme before in star trek where they have like well humans you know we need to be free and we're violent and i'm like what (laughs)
0: like that's with last you know last week's episode with uh landrew right where it's yeah, they're peaceful but they have no freedom and that's a uh, intolerable state of being even if we hurt each other we have to be allowed freedom even if it means hurting each other or being violent towards each other
2: um, yeah and like, like if anything you know this this fil- feeds into this bad narrative that I see a lot of very like conservative traditionalist people who are like men are masculine and aggressive, and that's just the way dudes are. And I'm like, well, no. Uh, they describe this as, like, this survival of the fittest. Like, it's okay to be violent because of survival of the fittest. But, like, survival of the fittest means... The fittest means adaptability. Mm-hmm. It's species that can adapt. That's what's fit. And even Darwin, like, wrote very much about, like, cooperation mm-hmm. playing as much a role as competition. And so this this idea of like violence being okay if you're a leader and that leader is of course a man is somehow good is a really like gross like this whole this whole episode had a lot of really gross things like that
0: yeah and i too like i wanted to talk a a little bit about this but like i think star trek is really good about being not racist you know like being more racially diverse but it's still so stuck into like the mentality of the 60s that it doesn't really know how to like treat women well or how to promote women well or like promote more promote ideas that are good ideas other than anti-racism like it still hasn't really figured that out like how to yeah how to treat women well and and that sort of thing so it, it definitely has its limitations
2: Corey said that like the superior humans are like super racially diverse Mm -hmm. but there were 80 people on that ship and they there was even a point where they're like 30 of those are even women like Mm -hmm. they were surprised that women were considered superior and there's only 30 out of 80 like it still was like gross and and yeah i think you're right that they they have these moments of like and i i think i said something where i was like oh well i in the episode where kirk gets court-martialed i was kind of like yeah they have all these minorities quote-unquote racial minorities but you know they're like these model minorities well con is like a, a bad guy
0: i just want to interrupt when and there wasn't a woman right on that jury as well
2: no yeah yeah no there wasn't and the lawyer was a woman but she was also in love with kirk so it was like even when they want to create this strong female character she's not professional yeah <laughs> But like Khan is a villain and he's a good villain and like he has drives that aren't just evil. Like he is an interesting villain and he's an, but they're like, he's a Sikh and he's clearly not a Sikh. The actor is Spanish. I said mm-hmm. Spanish earlier and Corey Mexican. said Mexican and I'm just like, he's Mexican. Yeah. And I'm just like, why did you do that? Like that's so weird. To erase this person's ethnicity at the same time that you're trying to, like, show ethnic people or, you know, racially diverse people in this positive way. It's, it is interesting, Clint, you've mentioned before, how it has this tension between being forward-thinking and also of its era at the same time. It's an interesting episode for outfits, um...
1: Yeah, Khan had six costume changes on, in this episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, including his patient uniform and he's in the hospital. It's like this deep V and these <laughs> little booty shorts. <laughs> it was very sexual.
0: Oh, and then what the women were wearing that were in, like, the super women, you know? They were, like, wearing these weird, like, bikini things with, like, a mesh outer layer. Yeah, yeah when they're in
1: cryosleep. Yeah
0: they have a gold mesh
1: uh, surrounding their entire body with a little frock underneath it. Yeah, um, That's a good description. I don't description. know what that was, but I just assumed that that was 90s prisoner outfits.
0: <laughs> 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 and and the men are wearing something completely different, too, which is just funny. Like, they, they're not even wearing the same thing. Like, they're not it's even the same universe. It's kind of weird that they universe.
1: put Khan in a Starfleet uniform when he got on the ship. Like, they didn't have any civilian mm. outfits. They gave him a... It's like if I got if I was like, uh, you know, on the ocean and my ship broke down, and then the U.S. Navy picked me up, and then they brought me on their battleship, and then they gave me like an admiral's uniform to wear while I'm just waiting <laughs> for my ride home.
0: Well, you can't. They can't give him a gee. You have to earn those Starfleet gees. Oh,
2: the wrestling gee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, I want to talk about the historian. I want to talk about yeah. the historian. Please. What is going on you you well until you've talked about you've argued that they need librarians on starships not like this
1: not like this yeah. okay <laughs> so her job okay so her job is she is a historian for the ship but she's like a ma- she's a expert in 20th century human technology okay fine
0: she, is she a, a technology expert i thought she's just a historian i'm sorry
1: just the 20th Ooh. century like her specialty is the 20th yeah. century
0: Okay, so
1: first question, why do you need a specialist in the 20th century during the 23rd century? Like, how often is it going to come up where that's going to be important? But
0: more than that—
2: clearly agrees with you
0: yeah because he's just like man this chick can finally do her job just this yeah no and i want to get so. to that
1: i want to get to that contempt that he has yeah. for this position but more than that why do you need a human historian on a starship even if they were specialized in the 23rd century because it's not like oh no i'm just yeah I, i'm i'm a historian about all things like she's if you go into her room she has a painting of like a like a medieval knight and then she has like a roman bust Mm. like it's like a museum in there and it's just all old uh human things you'd think like she'd have like alien stuff from all over like that that position should be someone who knows all about the history of the vulcans of the romulans and is like an easily cited resource whenever you're dealing with any of those species so what is her job so kirk is what when her moment comes up and there's like, oh wow, there's the ship from the 1990s just floating out there, this derelict ship. Let's get that historian, make her do her job for once. Cause he has a, he's, he's kind of annoyed that he has to employ historian on this ship. And like, why does that position exist? Because he doesn't want her there. She generally doesn't have anything to do. Um, I was just thinking like, maybe it's in the contract that exists. Like, like there was a, like a really rich like Vanderbilt type character that gave Starfleet a lot of seed money to build their ships. And he's like, all right, go enjoy your space adventures. Oh, just one thing. You have to have three liberal arts degrees um, for our scholarship program on your ship. I don't care what they are. You can have like a ceramics person and you can have, uh, you can have like a yoga person and then you can have ah fuck it. Why not a 20th century history? Um, professional on there but you gotta have it or you don't get the funding for your goddamn ship and i
2: would love it if that was the case
0: <laughs> every every enterprise has to have a theater department
2: <laughs> i mean in tng they are always putting on plays maybe this is why
0: yeah
1: <laughs> she does all the paintings by the way in her room she does all like khan goes in to to work his magic on her and he moves the stack of papers, and he sees underneath it it's a painting that she's doing of him. I gotta say, if I had only been dating somebody for a couple of days and they started doing a painting of me, I don't know think I would I don't think flattery would be my first feeling.
0: Oh, no, no, he was totally freaked out by it. He was just he was just <laughs> plain. he was just playing her, right? He was just like, "Man, this chick is totally insane.
2: She she can be my first recruit for my new cult.
0: Yeah, he's just cord. like but he's just excited that he can now play with her brain and her hair.
2: I I have a theory about why she's on the ship that's sadly less enjoyable than yours, but I think it's like a limitate like a limitation of their imagination about computers because every time we see a computer it's sort of like a a secretary or like mm-hmm. a dictation machine. Like it's just recording meeting notes or like keeping a to do list for Kirk in that time when it's like all sexy voiced at him. But it's not like a information repository the way that computers are. Even in like TNG, they're always like, look up on the computer and see if there's any information about blah blah blah. Like the computer functions more like Wikipedia there. So here I think it's just like they didn't think that that's what a computer could do, I guess. So they have to have like
1: But fine, have like a general historian on your ship.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I like, Corey, your explanation because it would explain Captain Kirk. Or not Kirk, I'm sorry, Captain Picard. Because he's such an archaeology nerd. What if he was like an archaeology major and then they were like, hey we need liberal arts majors in Starfleet. And that's how he like got in. And he was was one of the like liberal arts hired. Yeah.
0: Because he's not a super technology guy. So Mm -hmm.
2: yeah, he's not a tech guy. Yeah.
0: He talks about he almost became an archaeologist instead of a Starfleet captain.
2: Right. Like he just did this internship on some like Starfleet liberal arts internship and ended up liking it. So he stayed in Starfleet. Mm
0: Hmm. Yeah, and then he became captain, and mm-hmm. now he gets to go on sometimes archaeological adventures that I don't think Corey finds very entertaining. No, not particularly. And my, my only complaint, really, about this episode is Khan did not talk like he was from the 90s. Like, how great would that have been? That would have been whack.
2: <laughs> if he was, like, talking like young Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa. Whoa. Whoa, bro. Don't have a cow.
0: You're, yeah, don't have a cow, man. Your attitude isn't very cowabunga. <laughs> why don't you have some pizza like the Ninja Turtles?
2: Far out, bruh. <laughs> why,
0: don't we, why don't we settle this with a game of pogs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, the th- only complaint I have about
1: this episode is why, why Dr. McCoy has a display of antique surgical equipment like, it's not in his office. So it's, in the, it's in the room where the patients sleep, and there's no glass in front of it or anything. And there's, like, a saw, and there's a bunch of different types of knives and some, like, calipers. And it's just right and where can Khan you... can get up and grab them. And then, like, he grabs his knife,
0: and then he runs back to his bed real quick. He has, like, just a gun there just for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, a yep. revolver.
2: Can you, can you imagine, like, going to your doctor for, like, a checkup or, like... I'm a lady going to like the gynecologist and the art on the wall, instead of being like a soothing landscape is just like an old timey, like doctors saw that they cut legs off with in the yeah. civil
1: war. It's like Jacob's like. ladder. There's just like rusted saw blades everywhere. and
2: Yeah. Just like hanging up and they're like, yeah, those are my great, great granddads. Anyway, what's going on with you today? Like,
0: I'm, I'm less concerned of like, patients stealing those weapons and more concerned of like the ship is shaking all the time so i just feel like mm-hmm. it's gonna like a knife is gonna fall off the wall and like cut someone's carotid artery open
2: bones that's what bones is secretly hoping for. that's
0: his kink is he's hoping someone will gut him like a fish we'll murder yeah. him
2: he's like god end my agony please
0: <laughs> i'm an alcoholic with three ex-wives <laughs> you'd be doing me a god. favor <laughs>
2: Finally, finally, kill me. Please make it fast. Do you know
0: what it's like serving under Kirk?
2: (laughs) The man wants to fuck his ship. He talks to me about it endlessly.
0: (laughs) I keep telling him I'm a doctor, not a ship psychologist. Uh, I wanted to bring
1: up that we now have irrefutable evidence that Kirk does his captain's logs live on the ship, on the bridge while everyone (laughs) is there with him. Because while the oxygen is cut off on the bridge, he's like, Captain's log, we're all fucking dying right now. I'd like to give a medal of honor to everybody else on the ship, like while everyone is like suffocating to death. So that proves it. Yeah, Anytime so... we hear him do it, he's doing it live. Yeah,
2: I love this. Also, it, they are dying so dramatically. Like they're panning across the bridge, and all these people have like flung themselves in all these crazy ways. Like one is like draped over a banner or a uh, what's uh, what's that thing you put your hand on? A banister, there's the word. <laughs> Another is, like, diagonal across some steps. Like, mm-hmm. they're not just suffocating, they're, like, theatrically suffocating.
0: Spock would be like, okay, everyone, pass out in a orderly fashion.
2: Well, it, it looks like they just, like, like, they're like, no, I can't die, and instead of being like, okay, you know, remain calm, don't move, conserve oxygen as much as possible, they just, like, started having
0: tantrums
1: <laughs> i want to talk about the fight scene just how how it ends it's kind of a weird scene so the fight is actually kind of cool because khan's supposed to be way 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 strong and kirk holds you know holds khan off and he actually is able to get you know some good blows on him and dodge punches and stuff um and i don't it know seems if that like means he's that
0: kind of winning the fight for most of it
1: yeah, he's he's doing really good, and I don't know if that is because yeah. Khan is a bad fighter or Kirk is a good fighter, <laughs> but I think Khan's a bad fighter because how like strong he's supposed to be, and he's just he's like kind of gorning his way through the fight. I like that. That's a mm-hmm. verb we can use now. <laughs>
2: um, it is. It it's like when you should have all the advantages, but somehow <laughs> you're still like losing.
0: <laughs> you're gorning it. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah.
2: Like every villain in a slasher movie when they're chasing someone and the other person just like outruns them, they're gorning. Yep, exactly.
1: So there's... Okay, so the way that that fight ends, um, you didn't really talk about it, Clint, but it's freaking weird. So he's... Kirk is cornered up on the console and he's like reaching behind him to find any kind of a weapon he can use as Khan closes in. And his hand closes on these plastic bake light rods that are sunk into holes in the console. And there's like dozens think, of
0: them. I think it's supposed to be like a control. Like it's supposed to be like a gauge or like a switch. Okay. I thought
2: it was like a table leg.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like a table leg. It's like a, it's like a plastic
1: tent stake. Um, and so he like pulls it out of the console and he just beats Khan into submission mercilessly with this plastic, rod i don't know it was kind of weird it would have been cool if he'd done something a little bit more clever like dis, like you know discharge the phaser explosive on Khan. well you know you know some- something a little bit more um cerebral and 23rd century-ish than just beating the shit out of him with a plastic club but uh, i
2: was when i was watching that i had a thought where i was like are we gonna get to add someone to Kirk's kill count because he definitely has this look like I will be a man to death with my bare hands.
0: <laughs> well he Kirk's like oh uh, you know normal 1000 IQ move which is beating someone to death with a rock wasn't available so he had to he had to think quick.
2: He had to improvise yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I agree with you Corey that it wasn't that impressive and I think it was just like The props department or they just weren't doing their job because it does look like a, you know, flimsy piece of plastic that he's beating them with. I imagine that it was actually some sort of like space aged metal that was maybe light, but still hard. I I know. I But in my mind, I'm just like, I feel like it was like he pulled he pulled like a crowbar out of something that had like, you know, it was as hard as a crowbar to hit him with yeah
1: like you go to the novelization of this episode and they're like and then kirk pulled out the electrified uh obsidian thing that's 10 times more dense
0: than steel and that was the only thing that khan had a weakness to (laughs) it would have been good if they kind of like showed you like how strong and sturdy that material was you know because it just seems like he pulls it out with no effort also like why aren't those things better seated into their consoles if they do something important like he pulls it out like very easily um
2: yeah like if they had had some sort of like throwaway scene earlier in the show where like kirk walks in and some red shirt is like oh i'm almost done repairing these you know height adjusters captain or something to show that like this is sturdy and, or like, I'm almost finished reinforcing these, you know, so when we need a switch, we can just pull it out and replace it or, you know, some little offhand thing that then later comes back and we're like, oh yeah, Kirk.
1: Uh, also in that fight, when after Kirk does his like pincher move on Khan's neck, like he's hanging on that fence on the side of engineering and then he's like choking Khan out with his legs.
0: Oh, I love that. That was a great part.
1: Yeah, but he hops down and I don't know if you guys noticed this and I was like, I was kind of shocked that they that they did this, but it's clearly, very clearly a stunt double for about two or three seconds facing the camera. It's not Kirk, or it's not William Shatner. It's his it really? stunt double. And you can just see it clear as day. It's not like his face is three-quarter profile. His face is right on with the camera. Um, and then they cut, and then it's William Shatner again. But I had to rewind it a couple times because I was like, wow, did they really think no one would see that?
2: I got to check that out. I just watched an episode of The New Girl that was so weird. It was all, like, really close-ups of the the actors' faces. Like, whenever it was talking, it was, like, a real close headshot. It would be a real close headshot. And I had this moment where I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, someone has to be, like, not in the filming location. Mm. And they just had all these really weird scenes where, like... The Nick Miller character was like clearly the back of his head, and I and then they do a close up of his face, and I was like, they're doing some weird editing things, and I feel like this is what you've noticed here.
0: Maybe they were all pregnant.
2: Yeah, like they. Yeah, exactly. They were all pregnant. And
0: they just had to hide it. Mm All oh, right.
2: That Kurt uh, William Shatner was actually I just googled this. He was pregnant while they uh, they filmed this, so that's why that was that way. Corey. Oh, yeah, by
0: him. by uh, Ricardo Montalba. He's the one who impregnated mm-hmm. him.
2: The sheep. Yeah. quote unquote.
0: <laughs> he is a Superman for for some reason. They're hyper. They're hyper viral. Could even get a man pregnant.
2: Yep, that's that's what makes them the superior species. Is that they're hermaphrodites, so they can get they can either impregnate someone or carry the baby, which I think would actually be a superior way for humans to proceed with their life. <laughs> that's the genetic modification I'm looking to
1: see.
0: Only you just want the chance to impregnate something.
2: I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, um, something you want to bring up, Cor? Nope, nope, I'm good. Cool. Yeah, I I don't have anything else to talk about.
2: Uh, Clint, what genetic modification uh, would you like to see in humans?
0: In humans?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would like them all to have like rhinoceros horns, just like coming out of their chests
2: for any purpose or just you
0: know what actually not uh, i want like deer antlers now that i'm thinking about it and then you can like you can fight other people with your chest antlers and then we can finally get rid of guns because everyone will be able to protect themselves with their chest antlers
2: i'm sure there's a word for it but it's also going to be like a way of people like assessing who's a good mate i feel like ooh, look at those chest antlers yeah look at that rat (laughs) Corey, how about you?
1: I'd make everyone lactose intolerant, like me, so everyone knows what it's like to not be able to enjoy ice cream whenever you want.
2: You villain!
1: And I know you're thinking, like, why don't I just make myself not lactose intolerant? Because
2: you you either, what is it, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a
0: villain.
1: Yep, exactly. What would you do, Emily?
0: Yeah, Emily, what about you? you, How would you genetically enhance the, the human race?
2: Uh, I've already, uh, said that I would like it so that everyone can either impregnate someone or be impregnated.
1: Mm. Or impregnate themselves.
2: Yeah, like tomatoes. Oh
0: man, there'd just be so many, just sex ed would be a nightmare afterwards, like. (laughs) Wait, would that just mean everyone would have periods too? Yes. All right. Well, Emily is a monster who must be stopped at all costs. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. And until we see you again, keep on trekking.